there's no mom manual. We all know that. So this is the place you want to be. To laugh, to learn, to share, to join. The moms couldn't be more different, but best friends, partners, and now family. Melissa is happily married. Denise is happily divorced. And they're parenting worlds apart. Their thoughts on many things, complete opposite. Complete opposite. Grab your friends and join the moms. Here's Denise and Melissa. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Denise, and this is a really special edition. Grab your everybody in your community who who has been affected by cancer because this show is all about cancer in a, in a positive way, we hope, not depressing because it is Cancer Survivor Awareness Month and that is really meaningful to me. I finished my treatment, all of the treatment about a year ago, so it's my first real year. I never know when you're supposed to count your years. So I'm two and a half years since the cancer was removed from surgery, but a year from treatment. So I'm just going to go with a year because I feel like that's what it feels like for me. So we have two great guests joining us. We have one mom of a tween teen in Canada who actually reached out to me via Instagram. So that's really special when you hear from people who have followed your story and are inspired to reach out. And uh, she's on her own journey as a mom of a son that has been through a really scary battle with stage four cancer and had an organ donated and now they do a lot of work together he's considered cancer free now so i think that's a really inspirational story because there are so many people that are stage four that don't necessarily have the hope and i think it's really great to hear good stories and then we're also going to be joined by a woman in colorado named marcia danziger I think I said her name right, who uh, had cancer also in her 20s, and she's now has kids, and she started a uh, support network, and she connects with people all over the country and the world. So really two inspiring moms who have both been affected by cancer in very, very different ways. And then also... I'm going to share with you uh, some news about cancer, but first, before we get all serious, I would like to share something that every mom should know about, which is Sunbasket. As a busy parent, it's hard to find time and energy to make sure you're eating well and eating right. Sunbasket makes it look easy to cook healthy, delicious meals so you and your family can eat better, feel better, and skip the grocery store at the same time. 30-minute recipes and organic produce delivered weekly. Sign me up especially since I don't cook. Sunbasket makes it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Now you get more options than ever. Just go to Sunbasket app and pick from 18 weekly recipes, easily cooked dishes like fully loaded beef tacos with Mexican simmer sauce. There are paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, Mediterranean family options, and more. Sunbasket works with the best farms and suppliers to bring you fresh, organic produce and reasonably raised meats and seafood. Everything is pre-measured and easy to prep. You can get a healthy and delicious meal on the table in about 30 minutes. There's something for every healthy journey and every busy lifestyle. Here's what we want you to do. Go to sunbasket.com slash moms today to learn more and get $35 off of your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash moms for $35 off. 
sunbasket.com slash moms. So if you have been listening to the news lately, you may have heard a story that there is a new study about breast cancer, which says that up to 70% of women who are diagnosed with breast cancer may not need chemotherapy. Now, I just want to make sure that you hear that everyone's story is different. This is not for everybody. And my treatment actually wouldn't have changed because of the kind of breast cancer that I had. I was HER2 positive. So if you are HER2 positive, you will likely need chemotherapy. If it is in your lymph nodes, you will likely need chemotherapy. But it was a really great advancement in medicine because obviously if you don't need chemo or if you can skip chemo, it is much better for everyone in the long run. So I was on HLN yesterday to talk about that and to talk about my journey. But right now, we have a health alert for you. There's this groundbreaking new study on breast cancer that's being called a game changer. Thousands of women may no longer need chemo after a breast cancer diagnosis. I want to break this down. The new test is for women who have early stage hormone receptive positive uh, HER2 HER negative uh, cancer. It has not spread to lymph nodes. It works by doing a genetic test on the tumor, kind of like a fingerprint of the tumor, let's say, and then a score of zero to 100. That score is used to predict the possibility of a cancer recurrence. So if the score is low, doctors may say, look, you don't need chemo. If the number's high, chemotherapy has been shown to be beneficial, certainly to lower the risk of the cancer returning. But here's the sticky part. Doctors have been unsure how to treat women with scores between say 11 and 25. So as part of this test clinical trial, half of the women in that intermediate range were given chemo, the other half received hormone therapy, and at the end of the trial, both groups had the same rate of recurrence. Another benefit of this new test, doctors can also tailor chemotherapy um, off, or take, I should say, chemotherapy off a patient's score. Uh, We want to mention that the test is not cheap. It runs a few thousand dollars to get it done, but breast cancer survivor and host of The Moms, Denise Albert, is with us now. Denise, you're you're so candid. Thank you for being here. I know that, as I said, you're a cancer survivor. This test, as I understand it, would not have been, uh, it wouldn't have spared you, essentially, from having to have chemotherapy. But help us understand what chemotherapy did do for you. Do you believe that it saved your life? Oh, 100%, absolutely. And and as you said, I just want to reiterate that this, this new study would not have changed my treatment because I'm HER2 positive and it had spread to my lymph nodes. So I think it's really important for everyone to remember that everybody's case is so different. And this study is incredible and it's so helpful for so many people, but it wouldn't, it doesn't, it's not for everybody. And so there are certain kinds of breast cancer that obviously still need chemotherapy. Um, I had uh, a very extensive treatment program. I went through chemotherapy for six months, and if this new finding can help others not have to go through it that don't need it, it's obviously a great thing for them. It's really a difficult process. I lost my hair, which is like the least of the problems. This is a beautiful wig I'm rocking right now because I've been done with chemo for two years, and I have great hair growing underneath, but it's not who I am, per se. Um, I had a lot of sickness, a uh, weakened immune system, um, you, you real moodiness. Uh, that's the hair growing back. Um, 
I had pretty much every side effect that one could have. Um, but, you know, I think it's really important to keep a positive outlook and to continue to live your life as much as you can and um, obviously come through it in a, in a very healthy way. And, you know, I still have battles every day and I had rashes and I'm allergic to things but that I wasn't before. But everyone's case is so different. And mm -hmm. so obviously you have to trust your doctors. So listen, you, you just kind of went through this laundry list of things that, uh, of the ways that it affected you in your daily life. There could be women out there right now who are experiencing that very same thing. To them, what do you say to give them encouragement? Well, I think it's really important to be positive, um, to try to continue as much of your life as you can. It's really hard to do that, especially when you're working full time. Um, I don't have the answer for that because it's so different for every person. I work for myself, so I had the luxury of working when I felt well. And, and but how did you stay partner. positive? When you say yeah. stay positive, well, it's easy to say. I mean, is it just is it just the thought that listen, I'm here and I'm fighting right. this and finding strength right. in that? Right. Well, I planned celebrations. It's like the little things. Um, sometimes you have to give yourself a break. I, a lot of times, could do only one thing a day, and that might have been just walking my kids to school. I planned birthday parties. I planned a pre-chemo party, an end of chemo party, and beginning of radiation party. It was really important for me to have things to look forward to. And it's different for everybody, but it really was important for me to have celebrations, to remember why I'm here, to remember to celebrate with your core group of people who I think are so important also to really keep a group close to you that you mm -hmm. can talk to and call and cry and and it's okay to feel the different emotions you know one day I might have been really sad and the next day I might have been really happy I tried to continue to do things with my kids every day mm -hmm. and um, you know with my boyfriend we went to a lot of concerts it was really important for me to continue I love music and to really just enjoy life and to really think positive and I worked out the whole time I mean not crazy workouts, but sometimes just going for a walk around the block or, you know, doing something that feels like your normal routine is yeah. helpful because you want to feel as normal as possible. Yeah. That is such great advice. Not just really at the end of the day for people who are going through this, but for people every day. Every day at the end of the day, those little milestones matter and celebrating them matters. Thank you so much, Denise Albert. So glad that you're healthy. Thank you. Hi, Julie. It's Denise. How are you? Hi, Denise. Good. How are you? I'm great. I am so happy to speak to you. So I was just telling all of our listeners that you reached out to me by Instagram. And I just think that is so amazing. And so I started following your story and reading all about you. And I, it, what you have done with your son is so incredible. And so he was diagnosed at a young age with stage four and wound up having an organ transplant. He's now cancer free and I just think that there is so much that you could share with people about that incredibly difficult journey how you stayed positive and all of the incredible work you're doing to help others now oh my goodness I just want to thank you for this opportunity it's incredible so yes like you said my son um, was 10 at the time just turning 11 stage 4 liver cancer no signs or symptoms and he had just signed his AAA hockey contract and um, it just kind of blew our world apart like it would for any other parent. Um, but we just banded together. And actually, seven days after diagnosis for my son, my husband blew his patella. So that's what holds our kneecaps together. And he was in bed for three months. Mm. So it was basically just me um, dealing with the chemo, dealing with my other two sons. I have another son who's 14 and another who's 9. Um, and I'm a registered nurse by trade. So I was off work. My husband was off work. 
And learning that the cancer was inoperable and that the chemotherapy wasn't working, it again blew our world apart to learn he needed a new liver in order to survive. So we ended up having um, being put on the liver transplant list uh, by a deceased donor. We were hoping we would go the living donor route, but that wasn't possible. So we were kind of at the mercy just of that phone ringing. And every time that phone would ring, we would hope and pray that it would be a new liver, and it wasn't. So we had one false call. We waited six weeks, which is not long, but long enough. Well, I'm sure it feels like years. Yeah, yeah, it does feel like years. And that false call was hard, but we knew it wasn't his time. So when we got that call, we knew that um, this was his opportunity, and he ended up being cancer-free from that. So it was pretty incredible. So so he went from stage four and went through chemo, all of that. I'm just having a hard time processing this. So, And with the liver transplant, though, he is cancer-free. He is considered cancer-free. So he had a small spot on his lung. That's why he was considered stage four. As well, it was all in the plumbing of his liver, and it was up into his diaphragm. So that's why they classified Mm. it stage four. And so so what kind of treatment does he have to do now, if anything? So he um, had some maintenance chemo for about two months after. And currently, right now, he's not on any chemotherapy, but he does have to take about 20 to 25 pills a day now. And that's because of the organ transplant. Right. So he's on immunosuppression. So that basically, it's kind of like chemo where it drops all your um, blood work, his white count, his neutrophils, his hemoglobin, all that is fairly low. So he's pretty susceptible to any um, infection or colds or viruses. And again, if he um, gets a secondary cancer, which they think he will, he probably will relapse. It'll be skin cancer or it'll go back to his lungs. So I'm sorry. um, So they do think he will have cancer again? They do think that he will relapse at some point just because of the complexity of his tumors. His one tumor was 22 by 18 centimeters. So it was pretty large. So how Um, do you live now as a mom? And and I believe he lives a, a very normal life, right? I mean, besides that, I see that he plays hockey. And how do you live knowing that you will probably, your son will have cancer again? Is there anything to do precautionary? So we just kind of live day by day, um, live life to its fullest. We know that at any point things can change like it did before. Um, Precautionary-wise, we get testing, blood tests every um, twice, sorry, twice a week for his liver, and then we do three-month scans for his cancer. But basically, as a family, we just continue to try and be as normal as possible, and I try not to look too far ahead. And I try not to dwell too far in the past because I know that life is precious, life is short, and we want to make as much of an impact as we can. And so that's why we're giving back as much as we can. Okay, I want to get to that in one second, but I have one more question about, um, is it really about the early diagnosis at this point? Like if you can catch it right away? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as a mom, you still are looking for all the bumps and the bruises. If he's not breathing well, anything that he kind of has an ache or a pain, you know, that's in your head thinking, oh, my God, is this a next step? Is this it again? Um, But you kind of have to just put on your thinking cap. Okay, he was playing baseball. He got hit by a ball, whatever it may be. But yes, early diagnosis for him will be the key for sure. Wow, you're incredible. And I think it's such a great message. And 
just to, to keep it positive, right? And to live your life. Now tell me what you are doing to give back because I read a little bit about it and it's just, it's incredible when you can take a situation that you're still in and try to help other people. Well, thank you so much. So what now we are doing, because we have two platforms with the cancer and with the organ donation, we have been fundraising for the cancer um, programs around here, and we also have the liver transplant or the organ transplant end. Um, so Brock right now is the junior ambassador for the organ project, and that's Eugene Melnick, who is the owner of the Ottawa Senators. That's his foundation. And he actually had a liver transplant three years ago. And what he's trying to accomplish is to end the wait time in North America or across the world for people that are waiting on that list. So for people to sign their donor cards, et cetera. Okay, so let's let's just give um, a little bit of information about that. Um, Here in the U.S., I think that it's on your license, right? When you do, when you get a new license, you can fill out whether you'd like to be an organ donator. But how do you do it in Canada? And do you know more about sharing with with those in the U.S. about how to sign up? Absolutely. So in Canada, it's an optional thing. So when you get your license, you have that option to sign your donor card. It's all done online now. Back in the day when we got our licenses, you had that little card with you and you actually signed it. Um, but now you can just do it online. Um, so it's simple. It just takes about five minutes and it saves, if you were to um, donate your organs, it saves eight to nine lives. And if you're able to donate tissue, it can save up to 40 lives. So for me, as a mom, as a nurse, I was very ignorant with this before Brock became sick. It was just something I put on the back burner. I always intended to, but I never actually got around to doing it. So now we're making sure that we are trying to promote organ donation, cancer awareness as much as we can because my 12-year-old wouldn't be here without it. So it's something that, you know, we can't take our parts with us. We can't take our organs with us. If we can save nine lives um, to do it, I think it's incredible. It is incredible. And I just want to tell everybody that here in the U.S., you can go to organdonor.gov and sign up right there. It's organdonor.gov. And uh, it's just the best gift that you could give more than nine people when you're no longer here. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Julie, I think that your story is so incredible. I am so grateful to you for reaching out to me. And I think it's just another great example of the power of social media and how people can connect and help each other and share their stories. So I want to thank you for reaching out. I would love you to stay in touch and, and we'll be following your story. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Marsha. How are you? I'm good, Denise. It's so good to hear from you. It's so nice to speak to you. So I was just saying that you have created an incredible community. And I just think it's so important now, especially that it's Cancer Survivor Awareness Month, to share with everybody what you've created. It was called My Lifeline. And now you are part of the Cancer Support Network. And I find that when I was going through my journey that support and and keeping in contact with everyone in your world is the most important thing. And so you were diagnosed at a very young age with ovarian cancer. Right. And yeah, so and and you obviously got through it and and you have two amazing kids now. But what was it like for you at such a young age and you didn't really feel like you had a community? Oh, yeah. It was it was when I was 27 years old. Um, and that was 21 years ago. 
And so it was in the 90s, and I was completely devastated and felt alone. I didn't know anyone else in, in their 20s who was going through cancer. And there wasn't any type of online support system yet built out. Um, I asked my doctor, is there anyone else my age who has been through it and survived? And my doctor, because of privacy laws, could not share anybody um, that I could connect with. So I, I, in essence, felt very alone. My friends and family were incredible, and I'm so lucky to have had that support network, but they just didn't understand, you know, at a visceral level what it's like. And so what did you do right away? You were in treatment and you said, hey, I have to figure out how, how do I connect with other people? Um, no, it took me it took me more time. It took me some years after, you know, my treatment ended for me to, to figure out what I wanted to do and how to easily connect people. But one of the things that I struggled with the most was, was communicating with my own friends and family to get the help I needed. So... I, I was always struggling with like calling people back and returning emails and I was always overwhelmed with the amount of love and concern that people called in and sent cards and 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 emails to me about but I could not individually respond to everyone and I felt so guilty um, that I couldn't get back to people in time. I just I just did not want to um, be social or talk to people about the same information over and over again. You know, it's emotionally devastating as well as physically debilitating to go through a cancer experience. Mm. And it never ends, by the way. It's funny that you're saying that because I sent out an email about an update of I'm debating about uh, having another surgery, which I will talk about another time. It's not... But I haven't decided yet, but I will talk about that maybe next week. But, um, But I sent out an email to my core group of, well family and friends just saying I'm sending this because you know I don't want you to think that I'm rude by sharing this information on email but it's really just to save me from having the conversation over and over again and I also wrote in there like I hope you don't think I'm rude I just don't want to keep talking about it either and it's not that I can't talk about it or don't want to talk about it I just don't want to have the conversation 30 times like it's already draining and so I just put it all in an email (laughs) Yeah. Even to my mom, who then wrote me back and said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you didn't tell me this. I said, well, you've known a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe your mom should be a personal phone call. Right. But it's it's I know. Right. But it's it's a very um, there's no there's no etiquette for sharing your cancer information. Right. And somehow it's easier to do it with people who have lived through it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they just have a different level of understanding. They can't necessarily be there for you every day to do help you with practical and logistical and caregiving type of activities that are needed. Um, but they can provide that like emotional support, especially if you meet somebody who's already done with treatment, who's been through the same kind of cancer as you. It's very inspiring that you know, okay, I, I've met someone who has survived this before, um, and I can do it too. Right. So tell me, so that's how really My Lifeline was born, right? Out of that idea? Yeah. Yeah. So a few years, the idea came to me because a few years after my own cancer experience, a friend of mine, Lori, was diagnosed with brain cancer at the age Mm -hmm. of 33. 
And her friends owned a web company and created this beautiful website for her to easily engage with her friends and family from around the country. And as a friend who lived a thousand miles away from her, it was such a powerful experience for me to be able to send her love and encouragement and supportive messages into her community website. Um, and without, and I knew that she wasn't individually obligated to get back to me and she could share what was going on that one time. We could all see the same exact information and we could all, all send our messages of love and support. And Laura used her website for two years. And when she was too sick to communicate the last few months of her life, her mom used it and her, her husband used it. And then she passed away and I couldn't stop thinking about her. And I called her mom about a month after she died. And her mom said that website was our lifeline. And so that's what gave me the idea that every family impacted by cancer should have access to a free, personal, safe, secure uh, website in order to build their community of love and support. And so the organization I started is called mylifeline.org after Lori's um, mom's experience. And um, we started in 2007. And create, and now we have 40,000 active users on mylifeline.org, um, connecting with their friends and family throughout the treatment process so that everyone can get the help they need um, to, to carry them through. It's, it's so, truly incredible. And, and how does it work exactly? So you would go to mylifeline.org if you've recently been diagnosed or if you're a caregiver to someone who's been recently diagnosed. You can set up the site for them. And you can, um, it's very easy, and and once you, you personalize your own community site, it's in a safe, secure place, and, and you can share um, what's going on. And there's a helping calendar where you can post your treatment schedule when you need help, like rides to the doctor, help with the kids. Uh, what makes us different than other social network type um, organizations or technology is that we're the only one that's cancer-specific. Um, so some people communicate through Facebook, and um, what my lifeline provides different than Facebook is that we have those those treatment tools um, and that calendar to help you organize and get volunteers to help you with different activities that are associated with with the treatment process. Um, not just rides to the doctor, help with the kids while you're in treatment, but also when are your visiting hours, when do you meals delivered, really coordinate that care. And our system does that um, for people. There's also a fundraising um, component where people can tactfully ask for support for expenses not covered by insurance. There's cancer-specific education, information, and resources, such as managing the cost of care, um, stress management, um, information about your diagnosis. Um, and we do that through our merger with Cancer Support Community, which happened in January. Which I was and just then, going to ask you about. Oh, okay. So tell yeah, us a little bit about Cancer Support Network. Yeah, it's called, so it's called cancersupportcommunity.org. Um, and we're a global network providing hope, education, and information to all people in, impacted by cancer. And Cancer Support Community now has My Lifeline as their digital community platform. And I mean, so we are, a, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, good for you. So it's a global company now that you really are yeah. now a part of because of what you started to help people and their, uh, their family and friends who are dealing with cancer. Yeah. 
And do you, do you thought, feel yeah, like there's any part of you that like this is this is meant to be? This was supposed to be. Oh yes, yes. As I as I started talking the cancer support community early last year about joining forces, uh, we're both nonprofit organizations, and it's always a good good thing to streamline administrative costs. And we're we're so complementary to each other. So they provide in person support around the country at 170 different locations. So that could be a standalone location um, or it could be within a hospital. So think of like a Starbucks is inside a hospital sometimes, like a franchise. So we cancer support community has in-person support groups and programming um, that benefits people with cancer. So they've got all the in-person support and we've got the online support. They also have a helpline with licensed, trained medical professionals uh, sorry, mental health professionals that can help you with all kinds of things throughout your journey from financial support to genetics counseling and um, and anything that you could need. We uh, referring you to local resources in your own community. Cancer Support Community is just such an incredible organization that I've admired for years. And I feel so fortunate um, that we did join forces officially um, in January this well, year. Congratulations. Uh, Marsha, good for you. you. And and because we always like to do a little bit of, you know, mom entrepreneurs, tell me a little bit about how you balance your life with with all you're doing to help others and being a mom and also managing your health. Yeah. Well, managing my health. Yes. Do you still have to, do you worry? Yeah. Do you, is there any follow-up for you? Yeah, I am down to an annual follow-up uh, blood test now. So it's, it's very simple follow-up, um, but I can relate to anyone who's didn't just finish treatment, active treatment, chemotherapy or radiation or surgery. And then just that that feeling of anxiety or I call post-traumatic stress syndrome, that it's going to come back. You know, we all know there's no cure for cancer. So we know that you're more likely to get it again if you've had it once. And it's, it's a very scary feeling. Um, but as the years go on, that, that anxiety feeling really reduces significantly. Um, so I, I want to give people hope about that, that it, it does it does get better if, if you're fortunate enough to, to not have a recurrence. And, um, and if you have a recurrence, you know, there's so much support available now, so much more today than there was 20 years ago. So that makes me very hopeful and op- optimistic, as well as better treatment mm. um, today available that turn cancer into more of a chronic management condition. Um, rather than a death sentence. So I think we're in a, in a good period when it comes to that. Ooh, um, as I love far that. as being a mom, yeah, yeah. As far as being a mom, I am um, so lucky to be the mom of twin boys, and they are 12 years old. They'll be 13 in August. And since I had ovarian cancer, I wasn't able to have my own children because the, the surgery uh, removed all my reproductive organs. So I had a, um, an egg donor and a surrogate mom who blessed me with two children and, um, and balancing, you know, work and, and raising children is, is the greatest challenge, <laughs> right? Um, you wouldn't trade it either way. I have such a like wonderful life as a mom, as well as a challenging, fulfilling career. And, but you know, it makes you feel like you're working two jobs every day full-time right. jobs every day yeah. and it's it's just like I know that these are the good days but some some days it's dif- difficult you know to manage everything and one friend of mine who's a mom she's a new mom 
scam, she said, I never knew how many levels of guilt there were. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that is exactly, that describes it. Because if you're, you're being a great mom, you may be not doing your career, you know, your job at that moment. Or if you're doing a great job at your job, you're not being a mom at that moment, you know. And I think as moms, we can all relate to that feeling. And maybe and you're so other. blessed to be a mom, right? Because at one point, yeah. you, you, you know, everyone goes through different obstacles. That was yours. Yeah. And the fact that oh, you... Yeah are now a mom and, and have this incredible nonprofit is just so admirable. And I just want to say also that we were connected because I think it's so important that we were also connected because of this wonderful man in California named Matthew Fairchild, who he and I connected over social media, over our cancer stories. He's stage four and his wife was your college roommate and they, he connected us. But so I just think it's so important to, again, point out the power of, of, of connecting to other people who are on their own cancer journeys. And so mm-hmm. both of the guests that I've had on the show, I met through social media and I just think it's so important that if anybody has anybody going through cancer or treatment, it's so important to connect with other people. And so I just want to say thank you to Marsha and just tell us one more time where everyone can find out more about everything that you're doing or if they need your support. Yeah, sure. So for My Lifeline and setting up your own community of friends and family, you can go to mylifelineoneword.org and then it, um, also go to cancersupportcommunity.org and there you can you can click on find a location and see if there's an affiliate or a location in your backyard that might be able to provide additional emotional support. Um, as well as all kinds of other incredible programs that they have going on, all free. All free. Amazing. And just t- say one more time, because I just love the way that you put it, that cancer doesn't have to be a death sentence anymore. It's a chronic, what did you, can you just say that one more time? It was so great. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. With all the, with all the treatments out there now, um, chronic, uh, sorry, cancer is a chronically manageable disease. Um, instead of a death sentence. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to see what else you are going to do to help so many people across the world. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, we'll talk again. Okay. Sounds good. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks so much to Julie and to Marsha for joining the Moms Podcast, our special Cancer Survivor Awareness Month. And I normally like to include or end on the moms do your homework but I, I i truly feel that this whole show was all about homework for not just moms but anybody who is going through cancer journey of their own or supporting somebody that they know and love so i just want to remind you um the organ donate that everybody should be an organ donor and it's just so easy to go online to organdonor.gov and again if anybody needs help with uh, communicating with anybody about their cancer, uh, you could go to My Lifeline and also uh, Cancer Support Network. So thank you all for joining the moms and follow us on social media because you could be here to share your story. Thank you so much.